Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, the Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. And this is Doug with the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10. Created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Episode 9, The Root of All Evil. Written by Robert Hedden. Directed by Alan King. And Episode 10, Tales of the Undead. Story by Paul Monette and Alfred Soule. Teleplay by Bill Taub and Mark Scott Zicree. Directed by Lyndon Chubbuck. Original air dates were November 28th, 1987 and January 25th, 1988. Okay, we're back with Season 1, Episode 9, The Root of All Evil. And the cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is a portable garden mulcher that turns chewed up bodies into money. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it took me a minute, though. Yeah. So this episode immediately reminded me of the famous wood chipper murder that happened right here in Connecticut. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And I was wondering if they got the idea from that. Huh. I had to look it up because I, you know, I have no sense of time anymore. But the murder happened in 1986. And this episode, I think, came out in 1987. So it's quite possible they got this idea from that murder. Yeah, they could have. The husband was Richard Crafts. And he was a pilot, I think. And apparently he killed his wife by putting her body through a wood chipper. And I guess it was the first case in Connecticut that the murderer was convicted without a body. (laughs) Because obviously she went through a wood chipper. Well, yeah. You could find bone fragments. Well, I think they did. I think they found little, like, not very much. I think, if I remember correctly, I think he shot it out into a lake. Oh. I think. With the fishes. Yeah, so they really only found maybe a fingernail, like little, little, little bits of things. So if anybody's interested, I'll link that to our webpage. So we start off with this guy putting his obnoxious mother into a wood chipper, which I'm sorry, this is supposed to be dark, but I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Not even saying anything. So meanwhile, back at the store, Jack finds an unopened letter written to Uncle Lewis. It contains a $100 bill and suggests that Uncle Lewis did something for this person because it mentions the knowledge we obtained from below. So it sounds like it had something to do with the devil. Mm. Thank you, Mr. Vondrady. I now realize we both find pleasure in using the keen edge, the cutting edge, as it were, of the knowledge we obtain from below, enclosed as a small token of my appreciation. It's not signed and there's no return address, but it's postmarked Temple Heights. We should see if Lewis sold anything to anybody in Temple Heights. Ah, bingo. Number 27668, sold to Harley O'Connor. A 50-year-old portable mulcher? So the letter's unsigned, but it has a postmark. So they check the book to see what's been sold in the Temple Heights area. And you know what? When they said Temple Heights and it had nothing to do with anything, I started wondering, because they never actually said where this is supposed to take place, where this town is that they live. Oh, the shop is in New York, isn't it? They never actually said, because I knew it was a Canadian show. Oh. Nowadays, everybody from the United States goes to Canada to film. But yes. this was this was back in the day that they weren't doing that. This is a Canadian show that aired on oh. United States television. So I wondered where this town was supposed to be. So I looked it up, and they filmed it in Toronto, but... It was supposed to be Chicago. Really? Okay. Which I don't see at all. Part of me can see it, especially if you go at a certain season. 
you can't find gardens like that. You can't find a house and gardens like that. Yeah, I guess, sure, the rich part of it. But I'm talking about, like, where the store is and everything. Because this was different. We never see these big houses or anything. But the part yeah. of the city we usually see, I would have never guessed Chicago. Yeah, I've never been on that side of Chicago to see anything like that. So, yeah, part of me is going to go, no, I was going more or less like with New York or Salem, Massachusetts or Greenwich, someplace in Connecticut, Yeah, New England. I would have went with Maine, even. Stephen King's always in Maine. You know, like where their store is. It looks like just a dumpy old street. Maine. I, I don't know. Yeah, Maine. <laughs> So anyway, they find out there was one sale of an antique mulcher in the Temple Heights area. And the mulcher was bought by Mr. O'Connor, who I guess is the guy who killed his mother (laughs) and went insane. And then a gardener named Smitty bought it and is using it in the gardening business. So last week I was talking to myself on last week's episode, trying to figure out if the antiques make a person evil or is the person already evil. And I sort of landed on the side that the antique makes them evil because of the way Ryan beat up Jack when he put oh. the boxing gloves on. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, Smitty's the one who bought the mulcher and uses the mulcher, but he's not affected by it. Adrian is. So I'm not sure how that works. Maybe it's just a little bit of evil in you that comes out. Yeah, I was wondering that. It doesn't make sense because Ryan's not evil. Well, but the thing was, when he was looking inside the chipper, that's when... It seemed to have gotten him. And maybe Smitty didn't look at it the same way. Because, you know, Smitty, he just thrown clippings and everything else in there to, to chip up. And he was kind of looking at it. And once he was looking at it, it seemed to have glowed. The whole thing was getting weird when he was looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say maybe it sensed the need. Because in a way, he was desperate because he owed money. And so maybe that's what it was. Because at one point, you figured... Some people are happy on their job. And it seemed like really he didn't have any issues whatsoever. He was kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. Okay, you're talking about Smitty now. Yeah, so he wasn't looking at it kind of quite the same way. We're kind of hypnotized with the guy. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I got out of it. So yeah. maybe it's not the evil in you. Maybe it senses something in you. Yeah. So I'm going with He looked at the chipper, it got him. Still, I want some rules on these things somewhere along the line. So, like you said, Adrian owes some shady people money. And then he kills the guy who tells him that shady people are after him and throws him in the chipper. And then he finds out that money comes out instead of body parts. Who ever thought of that? I don't know. Well, and I said, I must have missed something. I'm going, did you blink for a minute? Because I don't remember him throwing him in. I don't know if they actually showed it to us. I can't remember right now either. I get mixed up when I watch two episodes. But this show doesn't show us a lot. There's a lot of times... You just have to assume something happened. Right, but that, that's what made it weird because I didn't really see that. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I thought he had to just kill somebody and the money came out. Oh. I've never seen the body go in. Oh, okay. So that's why I was going, oh, okay, so all he has to do is kill somebody and money comes out. So I never seen the body because I was like, well, if there's a body, where's the blood? Well, there isn't. So, it's magic, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Also, last week, I talked about the fact that they mentioned Lloyd twice mm-hmm. in the episode last week, and we really hadn't heard anything about him in a while. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wondered if that meant he was going to show up or something, and he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us what you really feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So first he gave her a hard time on the phone. And then he shows up at night, but he comes through the balcony so he could spy on her. Because he thinks she's having an affair. Mm-hmm. She really should have dumped him right there. Really. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. This, I think, is the first time we've actually heard that Ryan is her cousin by marriage. Because Lloyd looked into it. Right, yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Well, remember yeah. I said, I thought I remembered that from the first time I watched it. But everything I read said something different. But I was sure that I knew that. Apparently, finally, this is how we find out. So they're not really related. And Lloyd just says he doesn't trust her. And he leaves. She should have just left him. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So Adrian kills Smitty after Mickey and Ryan offer to buy the mulcher because he hears him. And Jack goes to see Mr. O'Connor in the hospital. Why? I don't know. <laughs> that was just a whole waste of space and extras. <laughs> well, no, it really wasn't because that's how we found out that the richer the person is, the more money comes oh, out. Okay. Right. But it was just like he had to figure that out from all this nonsense this guy was talking. And it was just hilarious. So, all I kept saying is, you couldn't put pants on him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it to go to the hospital stand? I need some scrub pants. Oh, God. Near as I can figure it, the mulcher is somehow producing currency for every person killed in it. It seems to be exponential. Meaning? Meaning, in this case, the wealthier the victim, the higher the denomination. What I can't figure out is why it's all minted 1937. Guess when the mulcher was built. And so Lloyd comes back later to the shop and here's them talking about the mulcher and you know he's like what the hell is going on here and mickey tries to explain everything by showing him the vault but he isn't hearing it and he kind of breaks up with her he just kind of walks out and i think we assume at this point he broke up with her and i said it before this relationship is like a hallmark movie relationship he just kind of does whatever he wants he walks all over her and she just like begs him to come back Mm -hmm. and it's so annoying yes it is Jack and Ryan pose as gardeners, and Adrian kills the old rich lady's assistant. I don't know if he hears Jack and Ryan talk about the richer the person, the more money comes out, or if he figures it out once he kills the assistant and more money comes out. I don't know. I don't know if he wants to say he figured it out. But while they're at the garden, Lloyd comes back and says he doesn't want to lose Mickey, but he tries to convince her that everything is all in her imagination. And this was a really weird scene, and it was freaking me out. Because I thought maybe he took something out of the vault or got affected by something in the vault, mm-hmm. and he was going to kill her or something. Wasn't the whole scene weird? Yeah, I don't know, but I just didn't get that. He's just annoying. Yeah, he's annoying, but, you know, he was so mad, and then he comes back and says, I don't want to lose you. And they're showing her drinking the wine, like something's going to happen. I didn't know. Something was just wacky about that whole scene to me. I guess they're just trying to you know, make it a little bit romantic, yeah, but- or they spent the night, or some stupid crap. And all I kept on saying is, oh, there's certain words I could say about this dude. Oh, I know. And all I kept on saying it was, he wants her back because he knows he could walk all over on her. So why wouldn't he want her back? Of course. Like you said, maybe they were trying to make it seem romantic, but it just seemed creepy to me. If they were trying to make it seem romantic, they failed. Yeah, well, yeah, they did. It was, I don't know, I don't know. But you know when she was, (laughs) don't laugh about it. You know when she reminded me of when she was laying in the bed with her hair like that, out, you know, all nicely on the pillow? Yeah. The uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, and Ghostbusters. Oh, 
Okay. Where she had a hair all on the pillow. The gatekeeper. Yes. I think I've seen that clip. I never actually saw Ghostbusters, believe it or not. I do remember seeing really? that. Really? Yeah. I do remember seeing that clip that you're talking about. Yeah. I hear the key master key something. And all I kept on cracking up. And the hair was all like this, like mysteriously and a little bit more romantic. Yeah. And the hair and the makeup. And I'm looking at her in the bed going, oh, my God, it's the Ghostbusters. <laughs> so Mickey decides all of a sudden like that, that she's going to leave with Lloyd, which is another reason I thought something was happening, because all of a sudden she says, OK, I'm leaving. I want to go home or something. And so they're going to fly home the next day. So this Adrian knows that Ryan's looking for the chipper, and he knows that Ryan knows about the money, but he doesn't kill him. He just locks him in a shed. I don't know if it was just because, you know, he's the star of the show, so you can't kill him, or if he just figured he wasn't worth enough money for him to kill. Yeah, I think he figured he's not worth the money, because there isn't any money. True. So Mickey shows up to say goodbye, and they really need to stop calling each other darling. <laughs> but they realize that Ryan's missing. I don't know why Jack is not suspicious of Adrian, who seems to be the only gardener left. So who else would it be? Right. But he lets him go into the house, and he tries to kill the old lady. Mickey and Lloyd find him, and Lloyd's useless. And they follow him. He's dragging the old lady to the wood chipper. Jack and Ryan shred the bag of money, and Adrian goes in after it, and he dies. But no money comes out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I'm like, let the bag go. No, he's not going to. He's a jerk. I'm not going to let it go. Good bad go. So. Did you recognize the actor? Is that the one from Just Shoot Me? Just Shoot Me, yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking, I'm going, I always liked the guy, and I'm going, dang, he's much younger. Yeah, well, it was 1987 <laughs> or whatever. But when did Just Shoot Me come out? Uh, I have no sense of time. I want to think the 2000s. I don't know if it was 90s. I think it was later than that, right? I'm going to have to check, because I love that show. Yeah, so did I. And wasn't he on, was he on news radio? No. No. He was on some other, I don't know if it was FBI or SWAT team kind of show. I can't remember what it was, though, because mm. I didn't watch it. So, anyway, later on, Lloyd talks crap about Ryan and what they do, and Mickey finally stands up for him. For both of them, actually. She stands up for Jack, too. And she turns her back on him. Thankfully. So bye-bye, Lloyd. God, I hope we never see him again. I know. Did I miss anything? No, no. The only thing I note was her clothes when she was getting out of the, out of the car because, you know, Lloyd's just this preppy, I gotta be in control person, and this is how he wants his woman to dress and look. She looked like Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. Coming out the car where when she looked like Olivia Elton-John in the other day of the week. Yeah. Going, okay, we went from one extreme to the other because, you know, he has to have a certain standard. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. You knew that from the beginning. He was a jerk, and I'm glad he's gone. Hopefully he doesn't come back because I don't actually remember, but hopefully that's the end of him. Yeah, I hope he don't come back. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM.
Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So we're going to move on to Season 1, Episode 10, Tales of the Undead. The Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a comic book that transforms the owner into a killer robot. (laughs) Pharisee Invincible is pretty much one of the most popular comics ever written, ever since it came out in 1947. It uh, built Peerless Comics single-handedly. In the original issue of Ferris, a kid gets a hold of this magic book, which transforms him into this robot. When he changes, the book is absorbed into his body. So you think that this is life imitating art? We've seen stranger things happen around here. And this episode sort of reminds me of the Warehouse episode, Mild-Mannered, pretty much just because of the comic book connection. And if people are wondering why I keep talking about Warehouse, is that we said when we started this series that we were going to point out things that remind us of Warehouse or things that are different from Warehouse. So that's why I keep bringing it up. But in the Warehouse episode, the superhero shorts were used to try and clean up a neighborhood. And by doing that, he would be keeping the diner owner safe from crime or violence because he loved her. You know, it went haywire, as it usually does with artifacts, but there was no evil behind it. Right. But in this episode, the guy who stole the comic book was evil to begin with. You could say, you know, he was stealing comic books. and, And not that he knew he'd turn into a killer robot, but he was willing to kill the comic store guy just to get the book. So he didn't steal it because he knew it was magic. It was just a first edition, and he wanted it because he wanted the money. Yeah. This also reminds me of an episode of another show, and I can't remember what it was. But it was something about comic books, and the author was old and lost the rights to his books. And in the end, we find out that his assistant was killing people, trying to get the rights back for the author. And it's driving me crazy because I don't have enough information to look it up. That's not familiar. It does. It's bothering me. I remember the actor who played the assistant or friend or whatever he is but I don't know his name so I can't look him up by there and then I know that the the guy who played the author was somebody pretty famous and very recognizable but I can't remember him and I'm thinking maybe it was Bones or Numbers but I'm not sure I never watched Bones did you ever watch Numbers I did watch Numbers but I didn't watch a lot of episodes of Numbers either but it sounds like something else though it sounds like another show that I'm trying to remember too there's a lot of episodes with comic books I know but and I could see it I just can't see the the guy who played the author and it's driving me crazy mm. but you know what if you saw Numbers and I saw Numbers and we both think it's familiar maybe it is Numbers yeah if I find it I'll put it on the website for anybody else who's interested if I can yep. figure out how to find it <laughs> If I could think of one person that I know the name of, I could look up their credits and figure out what it is. Okay. So in this episode, we have a young David Hewlett as Cal, and he was a regular on a couple of Stargate series. I don't watch any Stargate, but I've seen enough clips and the actors to know who's a regular. So this young kid was on Stargate, I think two Stargate series. And we also have Ray Walston, who's my favorite Martian. <laughs> I know he's been in a million things, including Star Trek, TNG, and Voyager, but I'll always think of him as my favorite. Martian, yeah. Always. And he was old then, and he's old now. He just never gets older. No. Even in his younger days, I was watching an old movie with him in it, and I want to say it's Shirley MacLaine in it. It's old. 
And he looks the same. Yeah, right. He looks old even when he's young and he just looks old all the time. Yes. Yeah. So a kid steals a first edition comic, Tales of the Undead. He turns into a killer robot character in the book, and he kills the store owner and injures Ryan in the process. So maybe it's just me, but this killer robot's name is Ferris the Invincible. Okay. Does the name Ferris really inspire terror in you? They named the robot Ferris. When you say Ferris, all I can think about is shake it up, baby. Yeah, now, right. Shake it up, baby. But really, Ferris, is that a scary name? No. I just thought that was hilarious. So... Jay Starr is the author. The story in this episode sounds exactly like the story that I just told you in the episode that I can't remember. Yes. It's like everyone made money off his work except him. Although he lives in a pretty big house, but they're saying he's poor and everybody stole his money and stole the rights to the comic book. And then because I'm remembering that episode I just talked about that I can't remember, I immediately thought that Mrs. Forbes, his maid, was up to something. Because in the episode we were just talking about, Mm-hmm. the friend or the assistant of the author was the one doing all the killing or whatever to help the author get the rights back to his work. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I immediately thought Mrs. Forbes, his caretaker, was up to something by the way she spoke. And I didn't know what she was up to. But I did think she was doing whatever she was up to to benefit Jay, the author, and that she cared about him. But this doesn't end up being the case. She is up to something. She's selling off all his stuff from the basement. But... She doesn't sound like it's because she cares about him at all when he catches her at the end. So Jay pretends he doesn't believe Ryan. Ryan goes to see him to tell him about the robot killer. And he pretends he doesn't believe Ryan. Ferris, he's come to life. What are you saying, boy? I know this is going to seem impossible, but one of the original issues got cursed and someone's been using it to turn themselves into Ferris. They even killed a guy named Charlie Evans downtown last night. I know this sounds crazy. Crazy? Know what you mean, boy. (laughs) But he does, actually, and he goes to the comic store to find the name of whoever took the comic. Now, there was this contest box, and so he goes into the contest box and pulls out one card that has this kid's name on it, and that's how he finds the kid who has the comic book. So, number one, everyone that walked in the store's name wasn't in that box. And it's kind of ridiculous that he pulled out one name, and it's the right name, to find this kid to get his comic book back. Right. Even Warehouse 13, you know it ain't going to be that easy. They're going to at least pull out four and go to these least two of them and then narrow it down to the two where they don't have to go and only go to the one. You know what I mean? Right. But who's to say the kid even put his name in the box to begin with? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know. So that was kind of ridiculous. Cal is on the phone when Jay comes to his apartment and he wants his comic back. Cal tries to kill Jay, but Jay, who knows how to kill the robot because he's the one who wrote the story, kills him with, he has this comic book artist award that ryan pointed out earlier when he was in his house so jay the author kills cal who's supposed to be invincible with this award because we find out later that jay wrote a comic book where ferris the invincible gets killed and they never published it oh yeah because they didn't want to kill the main character so they could keep selling comics so because he wrote it even though it wasn't published he knows how to kill him so he was able to kill cal and take the comic book So Mickey finds the name of the publisher of Tales of the Undead in Cal's apartment, which would be a crime scene, but okay. (laughs) And his name was Carmine D'Amato. 
So when they talk to Carmine, he tells them that Jay tried to kill the robot Ferris off 30 years ago, like I said, but it was never published for fear the company would lose fans and cash. After Mickey and Ryan leave, Jay goes to see Carmine, but he sees a drawing from his basement and assumes Carmine stole it and Ferris kills him. So we find out later that his housekeeper has been selling off all the stuff, which I said earlier too. Mickey and Ryan see the robot come down in an elevator with the dead body. And it looked like they were standing right in front of the elevator when the door opened, but this robot didn't see them, I guess. I don't know if it was the way it was shot or if he just ignored them because they weren't important or something. I don't know. But anyway, the police came and they tried to kill the robot, but it plays dead. And the police go and start talking amongst themselves like, yeah, all these cops are going to turn their back on this robot on the ground. So the robot gets up and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) There is like three cop cars. So I don't know how many, let's say two cops to a car. They're all talking to each other, and nobody is looking at the guy walking away. Too funny. But Ryan knows the robot's supposed to be invincible, so they see it walk away. And I guess at this point, they don't know it's Jay. I thought they knew it was Jay, but I guess they don't right now, because Mm. Ryan thinks he can go talk to Jay and have Jay tell him how to kill Ferris, not knowing that it's Jay who's Ferris. So, Jay already knows that they're looking for the comic book. Jay tells Ryan he doesn't have the comic book. He doesn't remember the story he wrote. So, Ryan leaves, and Jay goes down to the basement because he's going to destroy the comic book so nobody could ever figure out how to kill the robot. And his housekeeper comes down and tells him that she's the one who took everything, and she tells him, you know, what do you think I stayed here all these years because I love you? So, she wasn't doing it for him, but Jay convinces her to tell him where she sold the comic book, and she tells him it's going to be auctioned off at the big auction, which we've been hearing about from the beginning of the episode. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be auctioned off the next day at the big auction. So, Mick and Ryan visit the auction house, and the auction guy has this clipboard and says... You know, I'm sorry, the names of the owners are confidential. And he puts the clipboard down and walks away. So, of course, they get the name of the owner. His name is Ted, who's bringing the book in for auction. Ryan goes over to the Rolodex on the woman's desk, and she leaves her desk, and he gets the guy's number. So, some kind of security they have there. (laughs) So, on the way to Ted's house, they find him dead in his car, and the comic book is missing. Ryan also finds... I couldn't tell if it was an actual pill because Jay had a prescription bottle that he carried around with him because he Mm -hmm. had a heart condition. So I don't know if he found a pill or a broken part of the pill bottle, but Ryan knows it belongs to Jay. I don't know how you recognize a pill, but he did. So they go to his house and Jay is burning the comic books. Ryan finds a page that shows Ferris being stabbed by the ward that Jay stabbed the original kid, Cal, with. And when Ferris tries to kill Mickey... Ryan stabs him and he dies. But I think this is the first time in any episode we've seen so far that one of them actually was the one doing the killing. Okay. Remember we talked about that before? Yeah. They always make it so it's an accident or somebody falls or somebody falls on their knife. It's never them. Right. I think this is the first time that one of them had to do the killing with their own hands. Oh. Earlier, I forgot to say, they said Jack was in Singapore. Jack wasn't in this episode at all. But I thought this one dragged and dragged and dragged. You know, every time somebody asked Jay Ray Walston a question, he gave this whole freaking speech. And I'm like, shut up. Just answer the question. (laughs) You know, like, 
Brian's going to tell him the story about this kid that stole the comic book and how it turned him into a monster. He says to him, can you handle another shock? And Jay, he can't just say yes. He has to pause. And then he says, I'm an old man. And then he pauses with a bad heart. And then he pauses. But go ahead. You know, it's like, just say yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, I didn't like this one at all. It was just dragged. Yeah, yeah, it did. So, if you don't have anything. No. So, we'll be back shortly. Like we said, we may not be back every week, but we'll be back shortly with a couple more episodes. See you next time. All right. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at The Warehouse.